Sorry. I'll try my best. <laughs> but I'm excited to talk about video games. Oh, me Welcome to Bundle Buddies. This is a podcast where we play through the entire itch.io bundle for racial justice and equality. My name is Alex Honnett. And my name is Eric Taylor Roth. The itch.io bundle for racial justice and equality was launched in June 2020 during the massive outcry for racial justice following George Floyd's murder by police. It has 1,741 items from 840 plus creators and it raised over $8 million. All proceeds were donated to the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund, as well as the Community Bail Fund. This is Episode 7, and we have officially played 17 of the 1,365 games in the bundle. Thank you for joining us. Hi, Eric. Hi. 17 was my high school math teacher's favorite number, and I wish I could tell you why. I mean, it's got to be like a pervert thing, I'm sorry to say. No, no. It is, dude. I'm so sorry. No, it had it had to do with being like a type of prime. It wasn't a perfect No. Thing. It's like 17 is my favorite fucking age. That's why I'm so glad I get to teach you all. No. No. Have you really never thought about that? No. Oh my god. Oh no. 17 is the best age. Oh, no. My favorite number is six. Yeah, well, that's very, that's oh, terrible news. No. It's fucked up. My favorite number is ten, and we're all going to hell. No, I know. this is this is. <laughs> Why is your favorite number six? That feels like a very strange. Because I, favorite when number. I was six, I decided that was my favorite number, and I. <laughs> You know what's so funny is that's exactly what how ten is my favorite number is. When I was ten, I was like, being ten is great, and ten is my favorite number. And you were like, all these other ten year olds make me really horny too. I never want to forget this. You know what's so funny is I wonder. Like that's that is actually the strangest part about your teacher is the fact that he has start this podcast off this way. No, it's so weird that like he has a favorite number that is other than the age that he realized it was his favorite oh. number you know what i mean oh my god i can't believe that this is how we started this podcast i can't believe i made that joke all right where are we well eric why don't you tell me what are you playing <laughs> i'm playing arc ark survival all my friends are better at it than i am and they're all making like they're all knights and they have swords and they can make rifles and I'm still <laughs> putting together like axes out of stone and wood. <laughs> so I fill up and the other day I accidentally triggered a an earth elemental attack that just came and killed all of the dinosaurs that my friends had <laughs> trained. <laughs> and I was like, okay, bye guys. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, I am on That's my a, back. My back still hurts. That's what's going uh, on. And I think I'm, I'm sorry, dude. I'm loopy on pain meds. I'm lying. What are you taking? Can you can you say what it is? Uh, just marijuana. Oh, that's not pain meds. That's fun <laughs> meds. That's head medicine right there. Yeah, 
head medicine that makes my whole body feel good. My that's some of that part of that, my body. That's some of that ancient medicine. Did you go and did, did <laughs> you're tapping into something elemental here, shamanistic? <laughs> did did you go to like the weed storm or like, hey, can you give me some weed that would like that's good for pain killing? Yeah, like over on uh, Long Beach or like over <laughs> just go to um, not Long Beach. What am I thinking of? I don't know, but I was like, you went all the way to Long Beach, like in in Los Angeles. It's not hard no, to get Venice. weed. I'm thinking Venice, like Venice, oh. <laughs> like the med, the med doctors. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Med men. <laughs> I went to the med men, and they made they wrote me a handwritten uh, prescription card. <laughs> uh no 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 i just use ease it's actually really easy to get uh marijuana delivered anyway it's shocking how easy it is to get marijuana delivered after my wedding i had a bunch of weed left over because we didn't smoke any at the wedding Uh uh-huh my dad actually bought a bunch and i was like this this freaking rules but there's no way i'm touching this stuff while we're partying because that is just asking for a total disaster <laughs> and he he bought the funniest things. He bought these like huge cone joints, which is like if one person smoked one of those, you know, like they would literally lose their mind. Like it, it's way too much for one person. It's like this, a thing that you buy this huge cone and you go to a party and you spark it and then you literally pass it around the entire party. You just like let it go. You know what I mean? Oh, uh, was he bummed that you guys didn't just? <laughs> I don't know if he was bummed. I think he was just like, that was his like party favor, sort of like a leftover seventies vibe kind of a thing. But like even more explicitly, like it, it could not be a worse weed smoking thing (laughs) for the moment we're in right now with Corona. Oh my God. The idea of like buying a massive joint for a ton of people to smoke doesn't make any sense. (laughs) I didn't even think of that. No. So, I mean, I've been I've been uh, smoking like you know taking a couple puffs like in the afternoon or something like that every now and again. When we came back, we we're doing like a mini little like honeymoon here, and we just did three days where we didn't do anything but like smoke weed and drink really good red wine that we had bought on the trip. And like I smoked a lot of it then, but I still have a, t- a ton left over. Sick. Okay, what have you been playing? Let's get I've been, back on. The so road. I've been moving the last week, and uh, oh, yeah. congratulations! Like, be, thank you so much. And the new place is great. Uh, recording there right now, but during the move, uh, I packed away the switch really early on to prove to my wife how focused I was mm. and how I was going to like just do this, and mm. then immediately installed Civilization Five <laughs> on my <laughs> fucking computer. Which is a game that I have such a problem with. I have to uninstall and reinstall it if I'm going to be playing it. Um, and so whenever I'm not moving, I've been playing that game for the last <laughs> couple of uh, days, the last week or so. So I'm getting uh, ready yeah. to uninstall it again. I have to finish out a game. But where are you? Where? How is your civilization doing? I'm doing okay right now. I've been playing as the uh, basically like Arabia, and they have a lot of cool bonuses. You get like extra luxury. Uh, resources if you build their sort of marketplace thing which is the bazaar and then they just get a ton of extra oil too and their um caravans uh get expanded uh trading routes and i I like to uh, to play as um civilizations that gather a lot of money for whatever reason that's not true Uh in my personal life but it is true in this um so it's kind of like the perfect thing I, i sort of happened upon them um that game is there's too much going on like It'd be impossible to play through all of the civilizations, even like to and have any sort of normal life. Um, but I'm going to go for it at some point. 
I I bet your wife is real stoked on that. On that, she's fucking, that she's made. friggin' pumped, dude. She loves it when I play <laughs> Civilization. And the best part is that it it's a game that really involves her. You know, she like, <laughs> looks over and is like, "What are you doing with like the horsies?" And I'm like, "You don't get it. You just don't get it." Camille Camille let me do one of her um, redecor designs, set it up, and she was she thought that my design of the room was so awful. <laughs> <laughs> she just like snatched the phone back. <laughs> did you did you submit it? No. Because no, the no, ultimate no. justice would be if it did really well. You know? <laughs> There's no way that one was gonna do well. Um, okay, how did you've you've been stoking me up all week about this brand new segment that we're gonna do. That's right. Um we have two new segments this week. The first one, uh, I'm gonna say because I'm more excited about it, and it, it involves a little bit of editing after the fact with me, so bear with me if I don't do it, but the new feature was inspired by our guest Brian, uh, last Brian Rodriguez McGovern last week uh, on Twitter. I retweeted uh, something from him and was like, he's a good guest and a good guy. We love him. And he said, you're suck ups. And I said, yep, we are simping our guests. And then he said, that sunk the tune of simply the best. So, folks, we are simping our guests. You're simply the best. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh and I wanted to remind everyone, a few weeks ago we had on Rachel Ferguson um, and we plugged a couple things she was involved in. And this week, this Wednesday, uh, so the day after this podcast, Wanawari's 2020 fundraiser, it's a virtual house party cool. on October 28th, uh, 6.30 to 8 p.m. Pacific. And Pink Lotion, Rachel's band with uh, actually next week's guest, Eric Blood, created something for it. Uh, it's a very cool collection of music videos that they shot during quarantine all on iPhones. Um, it's cool. fucking awesome. I got to nice. watch it ahead of time because Ooh. I'm uh, friends with them, but which is just a cool, fun thing that I get to do. <laughs> um, and it's fucking boy. awesome. I'm a fancy boy. Anyways, uh, that has been simping our guests. You're simply the best. I hate that. <laughs> no. Um, a couple of bundle things too. A new segment I want to do is just include some updates about uh the companies that are involved in the bundle and mm -hmm. other things. Um, there's a new game from uh, Devolver Digital, um, which has two other uh, games in the middle we haven't played yet, Minute and Heavy Bullets. Uh, it's called Disc Room, uh, and it's coming out on Nintendo Switch pretty soon. Uh, it looks pretty cool. Um, I've included, I'll include the link, we'll tweet it out at some point, but wanted to give a shout out to Devolver Digital. Uh, Minute, one of the games we haven't talked about yet, but I have played it. It's like one of my favorite things I've played in the bundle so far. It fucking rules. So oh, cool. check this out. Yeah. Uh, then Poppy Works, the creator of uh, Super Skull Smash 2 Turbo, uh, they have another game in the bundle called Halloween Forever, cool. uh, which is appropriate for the time of the year. And they are releasing some free DLC in honor of the special time of year, uh, which are four playable new characters, which is fucking sick. I can't, you know, the fact that they're putting out four new playable characters uh, in honor of Halloween rules. Um, Eric, maybe we'll just play that for next week and we can talk about it in the bumper really quickly. We don't have to get like super into it. OK, cool. I'm into it. Our guest this week is John Thibodeau. He's a writer for The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. He is a new father and an all-around great guy. Uh, I met him in college. We went to college together. We uh, He was a senior when I was a freshman, and then we re-met in Chicago. And uh, he's just a good, good bud, good dude. This 
this week, we are donating to the Southern Poverty Law Center, which is a catalyst for racial justice in the South and beyond, working in partnership with communities to dismantle white supremacy, strengthen intersectional movements, and advance the human rights of all people. A true classic. A true Mm -hmm. classic. Absolutely. Um, So we're going to donate to them. And if you donate to the Southern Poverty Law Center and send proof to us, bundlebuddiespodcast at gmail.com, we will shout you out on the next show. So uh, shoot them them some money, send them some love. Uh, And with that, let's friggin' let's uh, let her rip, baby. We played some good games this week. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm real stoked for this one. Super fun. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, and that voice you heard is our uh, guest this week. <laughs> Hello. I sort of tipped your hand by talking. No, uh, of course, of course. Uh, please welcome John Thibodeau. Hi, John. Hey, how are you? Oh, good. Well, fine. How are you, John? <laughs> I'm pretty good. I'm, you know, hanging in there. It's nice. uh it's the COVID times. We're living it up. Yeah, we're six months in, five months in. Where? Uh, I guess five. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I've been indoors for six though. So <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I was a little. I was pre- premature on the uh, quarantining thing. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> we're in, so we're in LA. What's it like in New York? In New York, um, New York is New York. A lot of people, a lot of like the rich people left, but um, New York Mm -hmm. is still New York. Um, I think everybody takes it serious here because uh, we had it rough at the very beginning. I remember going up up to my roof to like have a cigarette and like watch the sun go down and like only hearing sirens for like, for like hours and hours and just being like, oh man, that's really shitty. And then you open, yeah, what's up? Ask like a really important question. Yeah, How, how's Pizza Rat doing? <laughs> Pizza Rat. I mean, I legitimately think about the rats in New York a lot because, um, with all the restaurant closures, I think that it's got to be like a, a, a post-apocalyptic wasteland of cannibalism and tribal warfare among oh, the rats yeah. because there's no. <laughs> uh, there, yeah, there, there's no. Uh, all the turf has just been like, upended. Yeah. Yeah. Like people are just throwing food haphazardly into the gutters 24 yeah. seven now. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, forget I, about eat the rich. It's all about eat the rats over there these days. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tastes delicious. Yeah. <laughs> I, it I have like, a... <laughs> it's like a perfect time for like a Pied Piper kind of folk hero to show up. Yeah. Yeah. I want to see a POV like, from the rat's perspective cartoon about rat warfare and and the scarcity of resources in, you know and that that battle like the uh, like end a, times oh, a new right. secret of nim yeah, yeah a new secret like, of nim it's or time like, to reboot secret of nim yeah. redwall like redwall in some oh, sort baby. of <laughs> like yeah. future that's yeah. uh yeah, 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 yeah. I, I would. I wrote, I I wrote it down in my little book of ideas. So yeah, <laughs> there's no way you guys Steal can it if you want. Redwall, 
those books were like really important to me growing up. Those were well, those were my books. Like oh, the I ones that got them all. that got me to read. I wow. couldn't believe when I was like ten, I read them all. Nice. I, uh, I have not read them, but the, I mean, if you ten year old you was into them, then they're probably great. And you know, in a few years, <laughs> oh, incredible! In a few years, I'll have a you know, in in nine and a half years, I'll have a ten year old. So there you go, maybe. Yeah, John, you are a new father. How's being a new father? It's it's pretty good. Um, learning every day. People say all that stuff all the time. All the cliches are true. Get your okay. sleep before the kid arrives. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's been good. That's why I said I've been quarantined for six months and the rest of the world's been five because once the baby was born, we were just staying indoors and like, you know, caring for this thing that needed to eat and sleep every two hours and do all that stuff. So yeah. It really feels like I'm on the longest paternity leave ever allowed by any U.S. employer because <laughs> I've been, you know, at home for six months now. Uh, is it, would you say that, like, is that good with the court? Like, you know, is it nice to be inside and be able to kind of get to experience, I, I think, something that a lot of parents would, like, feel like they miss out on? And you're getting, like, the opposite you're getting the full like every step of the way kind of interaction for me if i think it's great but the other thing is i don't know any other option so i haven't experienced it any other way and when i think about going back to work and having to like you know leave uh it yeah it saddens me a little bit because i'm so used to being around everybody you know it's like we got a whole gang here we got the cat you know, my wife and, the, and, and, uh, little Oscar. So it's just like, we're the whole big gang. Nobody ever leaves, you know, like, you're going to have like, squad. you're going to have a second kid and, he, and he's just going to be like, man, fuck you, dad. You weren't around when I was three months old. Yeah. Yeah. Work. yeah. Yeah. That, Oscar's yeah. going to be so like well-adjusted and <laughs> well-adjusted or incredibly needy. <laughs> One of the two. Either way, there's going to be therapy involved. Yeah, you don't grow up the son of a comedian and turn out normal, I don't think. <laughs> well, that, that's a great segue to, to talk about. Um, I mean, we know you from the comedy scene and stuff like that, but love to hear about your day job and also your relationship with friggin' games. Can you even play video games anymore with your day job? Uh, yeah, my relationship with games complicated. I feel like we have an off, off again, on again sort of relationship. My day job is uh, I'm a staff writer for The Late Show at Stephen Colbert. And um, uh, sort of a, it's a pretty natural, as natural as you can come segue from the improv world of Chicago. There's some other yeah. Chicago improvisers who work at the show. And Stephen himself did that sort of thing in Chicago. So, um, yeah, I enjoy doing that. But the thing about that is it's a constant grind. Every day is another show. Every day you got to come in in the morning with some more jokes about the news. That's not always the most fun thing to read and stay up on. And um, yeah, it requires a lot of um, boundaries you put up on your own personal time, because especially being home, you could obsess about it 24 seven. And a lot of like, you know, when I'm done with work for the day, it's like, Oh, let me take my mind off of uh, what off of the news and that sort of thing. So I not too long. Well, a while ago, the the console I have right now is a Xbox One X, and I played a bunch of Xbox 360 games when that came out. I know it's the worst console, but it, it's terrible. I have but it. I'm a little <laughs> yeah. <Xbox boy. laughs> yeah, yeah. 
It's yeah, the the PlayStation is decidedly the winner of the last console generation. It's true. It's true. This next one's going to be yeah. interesting though. Who yeah. knows? We're Who right knows? around the corner. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, where where does where does your podcast fall on the, on the next generation of consoles or are you more P I mean the 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 bundle is more geared towards PC stuff. So um, sure, yeah, yeah. I, I would say that we haven't really uh, staked a claim yet, but I am definitely, I play a lot of Xbox games, and like all of my uh, Chicago friends are playing PC games that are cross-compatible with Xbox, just so that oh, they yeah. can play with me, and so nice. like there's a lot of people just being like, Eric, you know you could just get a gaming PC, <laughs> and then we could play... <laughs> a lot more games instead of <laughs> sea of thieves <laughs> <laughs> and on on my side i've got a ps4 and a switch and um i think for the next generation i, I like the ps4 a lot i had a ps3 too but the switch is such a cool little game uh system and it's so fun but after getting this bundle and then kind of getting a little more familiar with the world of kind of indie gaming on the pc and that whole scene, I think that's what I'm really interested in because usually what happens with the Switch is like there's a few really cool games that Nintendo makes and then a lot of the best games are just like ports from like the indie scene that were yeah. the best sort of stuff, the most refined stuff. And I, I love those games. So I feel like I'll just buy like a little mini PC and then play a lot of these $6 indie games that come out every couple of months, which is exciting to think about. Yeah, that's a good. So I'm gonna. T- I'm taking myself out of the console wars, guys. I am. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm fucking Switzerland. It's this. not binary, guys. It's not just two <laughs> options. There's other things you can do. Uh, huh? Yeah. Nah. <laughs> uh, do you have a? Do you? So, have you been able to play any video games in the last six months? Yeah. Um, okay. This is, I mean, this is going to come off kind of broy, but I had been playing a, a few racing games because Ooh. it's like so low commitment, mm-hmm. and like I don't have to pick, remember like what puzzle I'm trying to solve. If it's like you know one of those games, or even like how to defeat the boss of a first-person shooter type thing. So yeah. it's just like single-serving fun. I've been playing a lot of uh, Forza Horizon Four, which is like an open-world racing game. Oh, is, it's cool. kind of just like the car portion of Grand Theft Auto, but like on steroids. Sweet. You, you can drive like a bunch of different kinds of cars. And then, you know, people, you log into like a live session. There's people from all over and you can do like little side missions with people you just run into in the world. And I've been playing a little bit of that. And I was replaying Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 because it came out with like a special edition of oh, that. A special and... racing edition? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, not that one. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but I've been playing those, and before that, I was I was slowly playing through uh, Wolfenstein Colossus, which was like the oh, old. Cool. It's like still a few oh. years older, but like yeah, yeah, yeah. I was you know back when like fascism was just new on the scene. I was getting <laughs> getting excited about like you know killing killing fascists, killing Nazis. <laughs> so that was and now you're time. like, oh my god, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. what sort of what did yeah. I? open up what kind of horrible portal yeah did we all open up by being like isn't it fun to imagine killing fascists <laughs> and now he's like it's too real yeah, yeah get them away from me we yeah. watched uh Shaun of the dead recently this has nothing to do with fascists but it was like 
way too real. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no, just I'm like just... a bunch of just shooting a ton of ton of people. Oh, just felt too real. No, <laughs> no, the idea of just like people, like the the sort of zombie, you know, kind of like horrible apocalypse kind of oh, thing. In this, yeah. Like, you know fun yeah. quirky movie and you're like no the world yeah everything is horrible right now yeah the feeling that the whole like crowd dynamic is going to uh suddenly turn and force you to like vacate your position and like yeah. run for the hills is like <laughs> very real very real. yeah yeah um i so with racing games my problem with racing games has always been like i will be really bad and i'll end up in like last place and then i have i'm forced to finish this game where i am i know that i have lost (laughs) and it's like i have to spend the next 10 minutes continuing to lose like i remember with like mario kart it would be like oh okay like well i keep falling off of this bridge right here and uh i guess my challenge is the next time i get to this bridge try not to okay i fell off this bridge again great yeah me and my friends used to play we used to play a lot of mario kart but we would only play rainbow road which is like (laughs) the tiny oval track and so there was less of like i keep falling off this one bridge and more of like i'm gonna push this other person out of the way and it's like more competitive and fun but i think also we were just obsessed with that one track i don't know why. yeah yeah. What was uh? What was it like? So, how do you go from Mario Kart to the game racing games you're playing now? Was there any sort of in between racing games, or was it just like low stakes to heavy investment? Well, uh, I don't know. I mean, there. I guess I always like the other kinds of racing games too, but I wouldn't call mm. what I do now is heavy investment. It's still fun <laughs> and light. Mm. Yeah, like I don't have a wheel and like a whole big like you know rig. A whole, a whole rig. Yeah. <laughs> That stuff seems insane to me. Well, it's Why like not the just new, buy a car at that point. The, the, the Microsoft Flight Simulator that just came out, where it's like, uh, if you're if you're gonna really play that well, you need to like have a huge setup that where you can see like all yeah. of the like, uh, you know, instruments in front of you and the readouts and all that sort of shit. Yeah, yeah, that seems wild. It looks cool. I guess a it bunch of people were cool. like flying into the hurricane. Did you hear that? No, because like oh, wow. the the uh, the uh, weather is real time weather, so Whoa. people were just like getting into the flight simulator and flying into the hurricane, which is so wild. Like, what a fucking crazy world that we live in, where it's just like, oh, a disaster is happening. Let's like, yeah, play my little video game and fly around inside of it. We're getting closer and closer to the Matrix. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is really some Matrix shit. Like, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. What, what, uh, what did you start with? Where was your entry point into, into games, John? Ga- games in general. Sure, games in general. Like, it doesn't even have to be video games, but it could be. Well, yeah, we'll say video games, but... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm like real into hide and seek. I we like used real... to kick a can and then. <laughs> yeah, um, we we had a we had an Apple II GS old like all green graphics computer when I was really oh, young. Oh yes, and we had Summer Olympics for that, in which was like you know I had running and diving and stuff. 
And I remember watching my brother play that and like uh-huh. also getting into it. But I was probably, you know, single digits at that time. And then after that, we got like a um, IBM compatible, what they called, you know, it wasn't an IBM, but it was like a, you know, a three, it was like sub pinium processing level. And I used to play Mech Warrior on that. Oh, yeah. those games are fucking wild. Yeah. And then I, I kept with the Mech Warrior thing all for a while. I, Mech Warrior, Mech Warrior 2, Mech Warrior, Mercenaries and all that. I was really big into like, you know, this the Mech games for a while. And then of course Doom, Duke Nukem, all those like oh, yeah. first person shooters I really used to like. Um and yeah, that that was like for it was PC gaming at first. Mm. And then I jumped into the console world with the Xbox, really. Before that, it was all PC. But then I just stopped having, like, PCs that could do it, really. Yeah, totally. In college, I built my own PC when it was still, like, a new, somewhat new thing to do. <laughs> but uh-huh. now, <laughs> and I remember playing, we would play, like, Counter-Strike on the server in um, in our residence hall. And also, like, Real Ultimate Tournament or what? Oh, Unre- uh, the unreal tournament yeah, yeah the unreal unreal tournament yeah we used to play that on our server too and they're like that's what i was into at that point um and then when i got the xbox it was like more like playing games i had played before but like reissued so i went back and like played through half-life and like um i got really into por- portal i used uh, to portal that so game. good portal yeah. is like incredible yeah. yeah that that's on like the Taj Mahal. you know that's on the hall of fame of yeah of games yeah. for me um yeah so it started with an apple an old apple and it, now it's at an xbox <laughs> and who knew we get to hear yeah unbelievable. yeah that's true. <laughs> unbelievable uh so that's cool so you're like you you're into like first person shooters and uh you know games a little more like that do you do you play any rpgs or is that like or any i think sort of- i'm i'm more tempered towards rpgs to be honest but i think most of the games have been shoved down my throat have been first person shooters because (laughs) i'm more like i don't want to be too anxious when i'm playing a game like first person (laughs) shooters make me so anxious i i feel like if i die in the game like someone's really dying like i feel (laughs) there's a very big like i don't want this person to die like i really care for the person i'm controlling it's weird i don't know there's some sort of freudian weirdness there but um i I am uh with I, i was trying to get camille into gta 5 when it first came out and i was like it's a it's a fun game it's this crazy weird world and her two experiences were that she kept stopping at red lights and it was like no 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 you can (laughs) you can just drive Mm -hmm. and then and then at some point i was like you know it's really cool to like jump off of things and do parachute and so she spent like 10 minutes walking up the stairs of this skyscraper, like a really long time. And in a way, like it's almost meditative, right? Like you're slowly getting into like the experience of this human being walking off stair upstairs. And then she jumped from the top of the thing, but couldn't figure out how to get the parachute. <laughs> so was, like, her experience was like a really long time climbing upstairs, <laughs> jumping to her death and being like, I don't like this. And never, <laughs> ever again. That was not, that was not fun. That was suicide. Was <laughs> Just like I simulated that, but that experience yeah. of like dying in video games, sometimes, is like so real and so visceral and so mm-hmm. like yeah oh maddening. Yeah. There is this sort of um this kind of play style that 
I haven't done so much since I was a child, but like putting yourself in the game and feeling like, okay, this is what I would do here. So I'm going to protect my friend here, Mm -hmm. even though it doesn't necessarily like gain you anything in the way it's playing, but it's like the way my character would act right now based on who I am, you know, like true role playing. Yeah. Oh, I want to do this. Like something outside of the framework of the game. I remember playing through mass effect and, and like when that, when the first one of those came out, it was all about like the choices you make can impact, you know, your characters like moral authority later Mm -hmm. on in the game and I ended up playing through that game as like the most lame person in the world. <laughs> the guy like who in the first Star Wars would be like, we need to talk more about these trade alliances. <laughs> I, mean, because- I am the exact same way. I can't like it'll be like give you the option of being a bad boy and i'm like uh no i am i have to be good and like Mm -hmm. there was one time in there's a a mission i got really into skyrim when it came out that Mm -hmm. was like the game that pulled me back into video games in a big way um and there's a quest in there where you are given the option of eating someone like being Uh a cannibal oh yeah and i've already i've already sunk a you know like 60 hours into this thing so i'm very invested in my character in the game and i wanted to see what happened so i did it and then i felt bad afterwards like actually real world bad spent like two weeks thinking about like i can't believe i did that that guy yeah like it's so bizarre how you just like telegraph your morality onto this thing eventually yeah i think to a certain extent in games where you're forced to make hard choices down the line you want to have the moral authority to be able to like shoot the guy later you know (laughs) i don't know it's probably me just putting too much on it but like i want to try to do everything right and be forced into violence like (laughs) yeah i want it to be sort of like a there's no other option situation i I definitely have that like analysis paralysis in borderlands where you have like millions of different guns that you could pick i i would get so stressed out by trying to be like what is the optimal gun that i'm (laughs) it's like this gun has like a magazine capacity of 30 but it shoots at half the speed of this gun and it was like it took it took so much of the fun out of like what should just be a run around and like you know Mm -hmm. shoot things game um i remember in skyrim though i got (laughs) like there was a point where it was like three in the morning and I started sneaking around a village and I snuck into somebody's home and I it, like cold blooded killed them in their sleep. Mm. And I, after that was like, Oh no, <laughs> well, this is bad. Like it was so, it was like late at night in my own home too. And I was like, yeah. turn this off, go to bed. Like I didn't yeah, do it. Wasn't my, me. my lizard brain is coming out. I don't know. <laughs> uh, like, oh. Yeah. Am I bad? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. a question we all ask ourselves. <laughs> am I bad? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of am I bad or is it bad, I think this is a perfect time to segue into uh, the games we played this week. So uh, Salvage Solitude is a uh, dynamic first-person procedural generated roguelike uh, shooter, or not shooter, but uh, first-person-esque thing. Uh, the game was made by... Joe, Joe, Jose, F and Pat uh, for the September 2015 One Game a Month Challenge. Uh, the description is: You have awoken on the abandoned station Solitude, 
8140, far off in a desolate corner of the universe. You have no idea who you are or what you're doing here, but you know that something isn't right. Bring Solitude 8140 back online by repairing all the rooms. Um, and that's the game. What do you guys think? Uh, yeah, so a rogue, so a roguelike um, is a type of game that's sort of based on uh, like early D&D. It's based off of uh, an early PC game called rogue where you have um procedurally generated kind of dungeons basically and so the map mm -hmm. uh that is two-dimensional that we had kind of up top uh was the roguelike feature right and you're encountering traps and stuff like that and then putting it in a first person style i you know i think the rogue like purists might say oh actually you know I, that's not quite a roguelike game uh mm -hmm. that's a first person game um this game, I'm very. Fa I was very fascinated by. It. I thought that the music was really cool, and the the conceit is really neat and interesting. As you're sort of moving through this space, uh, where like some of the rooms are deadly, you're trying to like run mm -hmm. through some of these places that are um, like uninhabitable, and then like. Did did any of you get to look out the windows at all? Yeah. And like see this sort of like expansive kind of like mountain range that was sort of out into um the distance. Like I thought tonally this game was very cool. Like it hit it like hit the nail on the head as far as as far as tone is concerned. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like the feeling of I mean this was sort of nerve wracking, to be honest, just starting it up and be like, I kind of do this podcast soon. Uh, <laughs> I got to figure out what's going on. And the idea of not knowing what's going on for a little while. And I even like quit the first time playing it and was like, is there like a tutorial or like, a, you know, like what the hell should I be doing? And then I eventually like got into it and was like, Oh, this room is killing me. I need yeah. to. <laughs> it was very incremental progress in terms of my like, um gameplay evolution but eventually i was like oh this thing that i'm holding will help repair <laughs> you know it's like i i think that's another consequence of me not like playing games as frequently especially like those types of like solve problem games which yeah are more engaging and more fun if you have the time and uh, and yeah. get into it um, well, and this, this is a great example of the kind of some of the games that we have in here is that it's just like kind of one idea, mm -hmm. like not necessarily done really well, but like well sketched out. So like you play this game and you kind of get it like mm -hmm. there is a rhythm to it. There's a loop to it. You're sort of doing certain things. And in that way, I think it executes on it uh, pretty well. But it is very, very rough around the edges. And mm -hmm. I think it doesn't hold your hand. No, it, should, it throws you yeah. in there and it's like you're going to die. Um, did you all have this experience? The cursor, right? Like the crosshairs was about an inch off for me. Was that true mm -hmm. for you guys too? It was real clumsy for me. Yeah. 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 Um, that it's funny because that added to the, <laughs> the like the stress. Yeah. Totally. Totally. <laughs> I a hundred percent felt that way where I was like, I'm fucking doing this right. What the fuck is going on? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, just freaking out, slowly yeah. dying, trying uh -huh. to drill into a thing, but you can't actually aim at that thing was very frustrating. Uh, 
and it's part of me wonders if that's like is that intentional to build that feeling of frustration and, oh and, and panic if it's, so it's successful because yeah. <laughs> i felt like i was running out of oxygen to be honest uh i yeah i don't think it was intentional i think it was um and it's actually really frustrating because i think so my experience was like i played pretty i i think i pretty much beat a level um mm-hmm. the problem was that there i was able to like fix everything on on all four or five floors or whatever and then there were just two floors that were inexplicably like didn't have oxygen and like two uh rooms that just sort of like there was no reason why it should have no oxygen i like fixed everything kind of thing um and i went for a walk and i was thinking about this game and i was like there's part of it that is so like cool right like this idea you know like i i I like the idea of you know like you have to move around um get oxygen to these rooms but you're not going to have all of the resources that you're going to have kind of up top right so like being able to find a um like supply closet to get your you know like charge up your drill or whatever or um these uh you know, like power plant rooms to be able to power up everything. Like I like that idea so much. And I went on a walk and I came back and I was like, what if I try this on a higher difficulty? And I just couldn't select higher difficulty because the like mechanics of the game were so like clunky and frustrating. And that was really uh, a big old turnoff for me. So Mm. that was like frustrating. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, it, well, it is that thing. I think uh, in general, it's interesting to talk about like a game like Portal and then this, you know, because this is like the it's like the demo version of like a game like that where there is sort of like one central conceit. You're trying to, you know, you're going you're trying to solve puzzles in Portal through, by going through like this, these uh portals that you create and then doing certain things, you know? So that's the idea is this one idea. How do we mess around with this as much as possible to construct puzzles in this? And this is like the very, the most basic germ of that, of like, it's basically like one level of this thing where, okay, the conceit is you're trying to put oxygen back in a room. Like what, like, what does that look like? You know, like, and it's, it's most sort of the barest version. And it sort of substitutes that in an interesting way in kind of the procedurally generated thing where a game like, portal is the edges are rounded off so much it's so perfect where everything has a solution and you figure it out and this is this substitutes that with a it will actually create a lot of things that probably aren't solvable you know like i'm I'm sure eric in those levels it's like it wasn't that you couldn't beat them it's that there was no way that you would be able to beat them because there's not that same level of care or attention (laughs) put into crafting kind of a perfect thing but having said that it's like this was made for a game jam so it's at like in my mind, it's like you're evaluating the core loop, like the, the biggest, like that one thing. And, and is it fun and is it successful? And does it look cool? I love the aesthetic. It felt like I was playing like a weird Nintendo 64 game. And some, you know what yeah. I mean? Look kind of like yeah. Goldeneye, which yeah. was fun. Like the, the faculty or something. Yeah. yeah exactly. It felt like it felt like the old, oldest Wolfenstein. Like, yeah. You know? It's like Wolfenstein, but like you can't get out of like the original, the, like you can't yeah. get to the place where you're shooting Nazis. You're just yeah. sort of like stuck. I think also like, like comparing it to Portal and the rounded off edges leads me to think of like 
a bigger question is like, why, what are you searching for from a game when you play it? And I think for me, sometimes it is that perfection and being able to solve something where when you're at the end, you're like, oh, of course, that makes sense. Because, because this means that, and then the other thing, and it all fits together like a puzzle. Yeah. I think a lot of, a lot of times, like, the stuff that doesn't fit but in some stuff is unsolvable like i get that in my regular life <laughs> you know? like there are plenty of things that i'm just like oh this doesn't work because you know and we're butting up against impossibility yeah uh, and, and, but you know if you need to seek that out then play this game <laughs> i think like there's this thing with procedurally generated uh games especially indie games where they create these yeah these impossible scenarios and i get the idea of being like oh i want to like it's maybe easier or like you don't have to do that kind of like um puzzle crafting sort of element where you're Mm -hmm. like okay you know these are the things that they're gonna have to get and they're gonna have to solve these and they might like kind of butt their heads up against it but i think like there is in the tradition of the roguelike games, there are these, yeah, just impossible scenarios. Mm -hmm. And that can be very, very frustrating, especially uh, as an entry point, right? Like it's like, I've started up, I've fired it up. Yeah. I've had a long day. I'm tired. I'm like, all I want to do is just sort of like enjoy myself. And it's like, okay, you have died. And you're like, well, (laughs) Uh, this is awful. Yeah, um, this is certainly not the relaxing game to boot up after work. So that you... Just give me a win. I just need a win right now. You know? <laughs> um, well, great. In, in terms of like uh, uh, final thoughts there, uh, is this a pass or a play for you guys? Uh, I, it's like, it's one of those things where, God, I really want to give it a play. I mean, like for the the fact alone that I think the um, the – the mood and the tone of it was very, very good, right? Like I felt kind of very isolated and it did, it is successful in these sort of elements. Um, I think that like I want, as I move through a game like this, it it's weird because it starts hard and gets easier kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And um, I generally want games to kind of do the opposite. I was thinking like, if they had in this game a monster that was like moving through each room or something like that, like some other element that kind of kept chasing you and made, made you like forced you to make kind of decisions at a, a different pace, like as you moved through it. Cause there was a point where it was like, I got all these power plants. I'm able to do this thing. And it like felt kind of easy. Um, so I want like a scaling effect or an element that increases the danger in some way Mm -hmm. and then uh, the fact that like the crosshair doesn't like hit the (laughs) five it's just sort of like you can't play this like this is not a it's a pass (laughs) it's uh, unfortunately it is a pass it's got some good things going for it but it was it's like frustrating in a way that you don't want to be frustrated yeah i'm i'm probably right along with you i think they could have solved some of the issues with like maybe limiting access to some of the floors until you figure out a basic like dynamic. Cause like, you know, you could sort of, you know, move everywhere almost immediately. Yeah. But you know, and then maybe there's a way to scale the difficulty in that way. I think maybe it's like a, it's a play if you like this kind of thing, but yeah, exactly. For me, it was a pass. I think. 
Yeah. Uh, for me, uh, it's a play just because I, I uh, me and Eric sort of differ in terms of our evaluation of things. And it's interesting, John, to hear you because I feel like you and Eric are very much on the same side in that, you know, you're like, I want this to be a freaking game. I want to have a good time playing it. You know, I want it to like give That's me That's not a feelings. high bar to clear. No, no, I completely, <laughs> I completely agree with you. But um, for me, I'm into like the sort of rough, ex- like the, the, I want to see the brush strokes on the canvas, you know, like the, the roughest expression. So it's a play for me just uh, in that it's, it does one thing kind of well. Uh, and that, that's interesting to me, you know, and it's a game jam thing. So the, a guy made this over the course of a month, you know, it's not, you don't evaluate it the same way as like an indie game, uh, like or a, a larger sort of thing. Um, so, you know, I, I like it. Um, Having said that, moving on to the next one, which is Temple Scramble. It's a action puzzle developed by Birdwards, Birdwards, uh, B-I-R-D-W-A-R-D-S. And the description, Temple Scramble is a fast-paced, asymmetrical two-player game that pits keyboard against mouse. The player at the keyboard controls Indira, an adventurer exploring an ancient temple in search of valuable artifacts. She must run through the temple and collect five pieces of treasure, avoiding deadly traps along the way. The player at the mouse controls Fullux, a guardian spirit protecting the temple's treasures from would-be thieves. He must prevent Indira from leaving the temple with the treasure. By shifting around the floor, she walks on, matching three tiles with the same color to create traps for her. Uh, did you guys get to play this the way it was intended? Did you get your partner to come and sit down with you and check it out? <laughs> I did uh, not. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, <laughs> so Aaron, tell your story. Camille is um, not... Uh, not generally excited to play games. And I think that uh, early on in our relationship, I was like, Oh, I really got to get, you know, this person into this thing that I like. And at some point I was like, Oh, actually, you know, it's really nice to, you know, have my own separate thing that she doesn't like. But uh, I two times tried to get Camille to play temple scramble (laughs) and she spent uh, about three minutes um with the mouse clicking as i as i like just handedly whooped her ass in this game and she (laughs) like i was like please this is a favor i need to ask of you do that like play this game with me (laughs) because i think that like i like the idea of this game so much like this Mm -hmm. seems a hundred percent like a game that you know Zandy and I, my brother and I would have gotten into like as kids and probably That's got the like, feeling of this game. Yeah, exactly. Obsessed with, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like any, like I like this idea. I like, um, the, the, uh, you know, une- the uneven, um, gameplay element, like, you know, one mm-hmm. person's trying to do something completely different from the other and going head to head in that way, um, is like, so cool and camille was just like nope (laughs) not 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 interested uh yeah i i sort of i i 100 agree with you i am disappointed i did not get someone else to play with me but circumstances beyond my control (laughs) however i will say i envisioned this game as being like it to me felt like the ultimate um clear plexiglass at a pizza restaurant you know across from each other you know where you would have the pac-man cabinet if like i could see myself getting really obsessed 
just like waiting for my pizza mm-hmm. to arrive, playing a friend at this yeah. this thing. Uh-huh. You know, it felt like yeah, it had real nostalgia vibes. For yeah, me. it's definitely yeah. got that sort of. John, as you were saying earlier, like that early Apple kind of feel, not like super early, but like just that thing where it's like, oh, this is the the expression of this game is it's completely contained within this thing. And it's a a great way to like kill a half an hour. Like you're all set. Or if you're like 10, an entire sleepover kind of a thing. Yeah. You can just keep on playing this (laughs) around four people over and over again. And there's enough going on that it definitely holds your attention. I, I played it with Katie. Um, and we had a really good time. We played for like 15 minutes <laughs> and we were like switching back and forth. It was really good. We, we had a lot of fun doing it um, and like fucking with each other. It was interesting. She, she developed a strategy for how to beat me as the mouse clicker. Uh, pretty like. What was that strategy? You're just you just go. You're going as fast as possible. You're not pausing to think about anything. And then the mouse clicker kind of gets like caught up to try to like figure out the strategy or how to do it. And it gets a lot okay. harder. Um, so she was able to beat me most of the time with that idea. Nice. Um, that was my feeling playing it. I feel like the person who was running around collecting the gold stuff had yeah. the advantage over the mouse clicker a little bit. I think because of the speed of the character, mm-hmm. uh, you know, running running through, you could you could get going pretty yeah. pretty fast if you were good on the keys. But like yeah. to to sort of compare it to the game we just played, and there's like a varying level of complexity in here. But this game is like kind of fully formed for you to hang like more power ups or more levels or more things on it in a way that the last game necessarily wasn't where it was less polished. Yeah. This is like a complete game, you know? So you're ready just to like Mm -hmm. slot this into whatever. And it it could work really, really well. It's like a mini game and something else, you know, whatever it is, it's just like a really well articulated fun thing. I could see people like, you know, boning up for an expansion pack or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, if you already become obsessed with it, with the game, it's like, Oh, we got 10 more levels. You know, people would, I like this. I, sorry, go ahead, John. I was just going to say, I like wanted there to be like an AI version. Oh, yeah. Where, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, because I could see myself just getting obsessed with like trying to, and, and, and to the level of, I don't want to drag someone else through, through <laughs> that, you know? Like, you didn't want to get, I, I wanted like, it to come be, on. You're, like, you're six months yeah. old, but you're going <laughs> to yeah. learn how to play. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, We're <laughs> This is like it's a hundred percent a game that I could see becoming absolutely obsessed with for like six months or something. Like, mm-hmm. just you know, if I because I think it's interesting. I think that like with quarantine, a lot of people got back into video games again just because it's like you know mm-hmm. we kind of are forced to stay inside, and it's a way in which I socialize with a lot of my friends now. Um, and, uh, and it's funny then to, uh, to then play a game that is like almost has an analog multiplayer feeling again, right. Where you're like the multiplayer is, is in your home, like right here. And that's the design of the game. Um, and, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it is frustrating then to be like, oh, I need to be able to actually find somebody else who like wants to play this with me. Yeah, what a what a like lonely dude problem. <laughs> I'm gonna find somebody else to play. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, for you guys, is it a pass or a play? It's a play yeah, for me. Big yeah, time. I mean, yeah, yeah. It it was cool. I love the whole conceit. I love the colors. Yeah. Like, 
Yeah, it was yeah a fun I'm game. also a play. And uh, I am also a play. There's something interesting about it. It feels like sort of like a throwback to a time. What You know, it's like thinking about how everyone, like our parents' age, had one culture. So everyone listened to the radio. And then that was like what culture was. It's like, <laughs> this is like one of those games that feels like a, like a classic that no one, like no one else will ever play. Like you'll, you'll, we'll never hear the stories of kids oh, staying yeah. up late to play this at like their, you know, on their sleepovers or something like that. But it's it's like yeah. it fits into that uh, sort of like instant nostalgia thing a little bit for me. On to the final game, uh, <laughs> potato thriller classic, an action adventure, atmospheric comedy, crime, dark horror, mystery, survival horror, third person, weird game. Developed by Samir Khatib uh, of snow cone solid productions um the description known for deep frying his victims potato man is the most notorious serial killer out there after receiving an anonymous tip about the whereabouts of the potato man bounty hunting team quindolin and dexter depart on a capture mission to put an end to the potato man once and for all however trying to capture this dangerous criminal might be the biggest mistake our heroes ever make (laughs) um this game i like is so exciting to me it this is like when i downloaded this uh bundle the first time is exactly the kind of thing i was hoping i would play um sort of like this game doesn't really work like it's not like what any you could not call this a good game in any like sense of the word and Mm -hmm. yet this game fucking rules it's so great like i love it so so much um, I haven't even beaten it and I still love it so much. So I'm very curious having gushed like that a little bit to hear what you guys think. Um, yeah, I'll go because my impressions won't be as deep as people who've actually played it. I watched a bunch of gameplay footage, but I will say the game strikes me as almost like if there's a musical equipment, it's stri- equivalent. It strikes me as kind of punk yeah. rock because it, you know, it is not a, a flowery representation of the art form by any means it is stripped down it is you know three chords and yelling (laughs) but it is very enjoyable to take part in yeah like i think there's a commentary going on between the developers and the audience that says we know what you expect this to be we are going to be different than that but still in an enjoyable way if you just have a little patience with us. Patience is very important. (laughs) Yeah. Because I mean, some of the comedy bits are, are like, you know, comedic timing isn't the best, best explored in a video game. I think because there's, there's, there's so many times where you're just like, you know what the joke they're going to do. And it just takes (laughs) so long to like come out that that becomes its own level of humor. It feels like, uh, like a, mid 2000s adult swim show in some ways like yeah, the um yeah what that? What? there was like a you know shoddy and like 3d animated like bird native american man show do you guys remember this i, it was I know just, i know exactly when you're talking about it. i don't remember the name of it um this mm. game yeah so okay i i learned that um there was this Notting hill uh playable teaser pt uh for a game that never came out um and potato thriller is i think directly referencing that so it is like it is this like deep cut video game reference to this like 
horror game that never actually came out. Um, but my experience of playing this was like first just sort of being like, you know, like half amused at the like weird graphics that were created right because like the initial experience is like you're kind of moving through this space but you can't actually really interact with anything in this space and then like the like first time that you encounter that like weird nose thing with like the eyeball on its head it's like such a strange bizarre visceral interaction that like it was so baffling, right? Because you're like, like, I, it's yeah. It it the, the the first third of this game is genuinely scary. Yeah, like there the mood and stuff happens. I I scream a number of times. <laughs> like I, there was shit that I was interacting with. It reminds me of the movie What Lies Beneath, where like whenever they go into the bathroom, you know something sh- like scary is gonna happen. I had that same feeling where I'm like, oh fuck, like. Nothing's happened yet, but we're coming up on something when I round a corner or when I like something happens, potato man's going to be there. Oh yeah. I'm going to see him. And then you would, I'd be like, what the fuck? (laughs) Freaking out. Yeah. It felt like walking. It felt like walking around in a Dali painting a little bit because you're like, this is, it's, it's freaking me out because it's not quite right. Or like that weird mask, like whatever they're, the mask thing that they had, like, and it seemed like, He's got yeah. just like actual photos of himself, like yeah, his, big like, time, yep, yep. Like, yeah. like high school <laughs> yearbook photo. It's a big X-ray on the wall too. Oh like, man, but yeah, like it felt like a David Lynch movie, right? Like you're moving through this space, and like in the distance, I see a figure, and I'm like, I have to walk towards it, or else I can't progress in this video game. Uh, mm-hmm. There was like one point where Potato Man, like pops up out of nowhere and like i actually got scared but then the like animated motion that he does is this like weird slow attack kind of thing <laughs> karate chop yeah and it was like it, it made it it's so weird and strange because it's like i have this yeah you're right i have this expectation of like what a video game is supposed to be and what interactions inside of video games are supposed to be and the pacing of it is just so not it doesn't like happen at mm-hmm. the the rate at which i expect mm-hmm. um did you get to the point where you found the code on the wall that then you yeah. can when yep. you go back and start the game over again yeah yeah oh, i didn't uh, there's that this part, part oh. that like where you you're basically like the 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 i spoilers watch out i'm about to spoil it but like <laughs> yeah. The first part of the game, you're just going through the same thing over and over again, and it resets, and then like something changes a little bit. You're basically like kind of toggling around this like one these one couple hallways over and over. You see the code. It tells you to start the game over, enter the code, and when you do that, you become a little devil who's trying to cross the street. And it's like, <laughs> time to go home. And so you cross like three streets. Like and then Frogger. You get to a house. Yeah, yeah. And wow. then like eventually like there's a so and it's like kind of scary and weird and like you're having a blast and then like the plot starts to reveal itself to you a little bit more and then it's kind of on the rails for a while and then it goes off the rails again and then 
it becomes a totally different game where it's like a, a like a completely broken stealth game for a while where there is there's like like these people are wandering around and if they see you they kill you but they aren't reacting to any sort of cues in the game or not like nothing's happening they just are truly randomly wandering and if you can sneak by them it's completely by chance like there's there's no way to do it correctly wow. um, and that's where the game actually got less scary to me because uh it be- it became the first time because the actual things you're seeking by are scary as fuck and the sounds that make it scary and the lighting and ambiance but i died so mm-hmm. many times that it stopped being scary like i wasn't and and from that point on it was just kind of a fun ridiculous thing like a bunch more shit happens that is just you're like what that is insane i i really i had the thought erica that i, I really wish i was playing this with you just to like hear how you react to like the lemon lady or to the castle so your fiance texted me a video of you playing this game last yeah. night i don't know if you know this but she yeah, asked she if, she, told if me. she should turn the light off and you said no <laughs> <laughs> But there's this point later in the game where the your robot son explains everything that happened, for, and it's like <laughs> you, you didn't have to explain it to me. I very much understand. Like I, I had already given you so much. Like I didn't need that thing. But the fact that they did was kind of nice, and I enjoyed it. You know? Oh my god! Or the pair helicopter. <laughs> the pair helicopter. That the pair helicopter. Yeah. Like that helipair. Pacing of it is so it's it's this like it's this really unreal thing when you experience something like this where at first you're like is it an accident how like perfectly imperfect this thing is and then like it continues to Mm -hmm. like like meet your expectations uh, as to like it's just sort of like weird and absurd and like delightful that you're like in some ways this person is either just like a lucky weirdo or like maybe a genius. Like it's entirely (laughs) possible Mm -hmm. that like this was the work of a genius (laughs) because like it's so weird. It's just so weird. It plays. I think, I think the dynamics that they use, work so well with the horror genre because it's all about making you uneasy. Yeah. Right. And that idea of playing with expectations first reality in the horror genre, it's so perfect the way they do it. Um, yeah. And that idea of like, yeah, what am I, what do I expect to happen? Let me do the complete opposite, but then to set up a complete set of rules almost, you know, you, so then you have a new set of expectations about how they're going to make you feel yeah. uneasy. And then to like, almost live within that is where the real genius comes, I, I think. Because like you could, if you could do, all, if you do anything, then you can do stuff that like disappoint you and, and disengage yeah. you. But to stay within their new set of rules that say, you know, this is going to be horror and this can be weird. And I'm still not going to break that and keep you interested. Is like Also really like good. the, if they had re- like really tried to be, horror horror it would have been so bad right like Mm -hmm. you know like Mm -hmm. the fact that they are also trying to be comedic and that like that comedy is kind of lazy in some ways right like the opening you know like newsman number one yeah (laughs) and then also like the computer like honey i am home now right like 
these yeah. these sort of like decisions that were made were like like half assed in some ways, and then like other decisions seemed so intentional. Yeah, it's just like the if they had tried to be scary like from top to bottom, it would have failed. But the fact that you know that they're like they have this other intention of kind of humor, like really gets under your skin in this odd, 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 odd way. Yeah. If the game is unhinged, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I, uh, the graphics are great. The, the music is wild. The whole thing. I, I'm a, th- th- there is one point th- there's like two other things I want to say before we wrap this up. But like, there's one point when you're walking down a hall and there's a puzzle you have to solve. And I don't want to ruin the puzzle, but there's all these couch potatoes sitting around. And you, it's a, it, the puzzle is like super simple. Like you, like it, it's, it's barely, it's not really a puzzle even. It's just like, what's the only thing I could do in the situation? So you do it and then that's it. But as you're walking down the mm-hmm. hall, if you like all of the potatoes, like look at you as you walk past them, which is really eerie. And then there's one point when you walk into your right, if you look at the window, there are two UFOs going that has nothing to do with the game whatsoever. And then on the left side, there is a giant potato head looking at you as you go out like by. So and I'm just like, what the fuck is this thing? You know what I mean? Like I'm absolutely loving it. But one other thing I'll say is once the game had progressed to stop being scary, uh, I found this room where I, I like realized, Oh, this is going to take me a while. So I started doing it. It took a while. And then after a certain amount of time, potato head or whatever shows up and kills you so you have a time you have a time limit and that scared the shit out of me i was not expecting that it was great it was great um but but this is not a a well-made or good game it's just an amazing game somehow yeah so for for me um uh i want to read this thing and then uh because the author even writes about this or the, the game developer so I debated numerous times mm. with myself if I should just delete it from itch.io, but decided to keep it up forever as a reminder to myself. I realized that this game is such an important part of uh, my history as a game developer, and it shows how far I've come. It's an awkward, cringy, and poorly made game with many faults, but it's also a game with a lot of heart and passion, and I'm super proud of what I've created here and always will be. We all start somewhere, and I'm proud to be able to say the Potato Thriller was my first serious game release. It's like, ugh, oh. I love that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think this game is a uh, is a play for me. It's definitely it's kind of like you said, right? Like it's it's almost the it, it it's if there's like some kind of uh, geometry to like what is a good indie game, there are some that are just sort of like perfect, well executed. You know, even though it's like sort of low budget, um, and then there's some that. Uh, you know, I think like in some ways, uh, the the twenty eighty one, the roguelike one that we played, um, uh, Sal- Salvage Solitude eight one four zero, is that one that is like a type that kind of fails because it just doesn't quite get there enough. This is a game that is not like doesn't hit the nail right on the head, kind of fails in a lot of weird ways, but somehow becomes very. Uh, successful and strange and and it's a worthwhile experience just for like the ability to kind of move inside of that experience so this is a play for me Mm -hmm. definitely a play for me too i think that 
their attempts at humor and sort of that the shifting of tone during the gameplay makes some of the um, more rough around the edges things more permissible because it holds your attention a little bit more. You're like, oh, maybe the, you start to question whether or not uh, everything's intentional or not because of the humor element that's there. And I, th- I think it was like, you know, I think this developer was more successful than they give themselves credit yeah. for. Because really the bottom line is you want to hold people's attention. And yeah. it did that, it, you know? So, that's yeah, this game uh, is like, touches on something sort of uh, mercurial, you know, where it's just like no idea why it works, but it definitely does. Uh, so I'm, I'm a play baby, which is so funny. Uh, it's like that thing, you know, it's like, Hey, you, you know when it's good. And this was good. Yeah. It's, it's very, very, very strange. Absolutely worth some time. I think it's also yeah. free. Yeah. You can play for free. And, you know, just go download it. You might as well. What the fuck are you doing with your life? It's so great right now that you can't take some time to play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, great. Uh, that is the episode. John, uh, is there anything you'd like to plug uh, for uh, your life or coming up or anything going on? Where can people find you oh, online? Man. They can find me online. I'm on Twitter. Um, at John underscore Thibodeau. Um, that's pretty much my only online presence these days. Uh, I, you know, watch the late show or don't. I don't know. <laughs> uh, did you get like, fired for uh, saying that? <laughs> no, it's a free world. You can do whatever you want. I mean, we're, we're off for two weeks now, so there won't be any new episodes. Oh, but have um, a really good uh, have a really know? good time off, man. I know how much of a grind that is. So I hope I hope you can get <laughs> yeah, Potato yeah. Thriller to work and you can play through this thing yourself. Oh baby, what a oh. great uh, show! Hot dog, Alex. You know what? I think we're really good at this. And I agree, we are very good at this. Um, mm-hmm. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, our guest next week, and thank you so much to John for uh, being our guest. That was really awesome. Um, a doll. He's a doll. He's a doll. He's uh, the best in the biz, baby. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Our guests next week are Eric Blood and Joe Garber, uh, who are former neighbors of mine. I met them uh, because uh, Joe found my credit card when I dropped it outside one night and was like, "Hey, uh, I think I found your credit card." And I was like, "Yeah, that is me. I lost it." Uh, where are you? He's like, this address. I was like, that's where I am too. And we went outside and met each other. It was great. <laughs> was this during COVID? No, this was uh, years ago, thankfully. Oh, okay. <laughs> Could you imagine? No, they don't even live in that apartment anymore. And now neither do we. Wow. Oh, oh my God. This is crazy. Uh, so let's draw the games for next week. The games are... Jimmy and the Pulsating Mass, a role-playing game from Housekeeping Games. Jesus. Central Limit Theorem, uh, a shooter action oh. arcade game from Amicable Animal. And Ripped Pants at Work, an uh, action <laughs> stealth game from Scott Ethington. I'm still lying down on my back. I'm in so much pain now. Well, let's get out of here so Eric can just be in, in the dark and it's back in to- absolute <laughs> silence until he slips into sleep, and, uh, blissfully unaware of his pain for six to eight hours. Oh, that sounds great. All right, Alex, I love you. Love you too. Bye-bye. Bye.
Bundle Buddies is produced by Alex Honnett and Eric Roth. Our theme song is Neoshiki by Roll Music. Email bundlebuddiespodcast at gmail.com to say hi.